0: Thanks for joining us this week as we conclude our series, I Am Who I Am. This week, Trey teaches on Jesus' seventh I Am statement, the true vine. So we encourage you to lean in, open your heart, and prepare to receive what God desires to speak over you. If you'll take a copy of God's Word, our text tonight is found in John chapter 15, as this will be. The last message of our I Am Who I Am series that we've been in over the past several weeks. And my prayer is that this study has helped you see and understand in a greater way who Jesus is and what exactly He came to do. So I don't want to beat around the bush tonight. I want to jump right into the passage that God has sent us to in John chapter 15 starting in verse 1. We find the words of Jesus here as He's speaking to His disciples And he says, I am the true vine. Now, why didn't Jesus just say, I am the vine? He says, I am the true vine, because in God's redemptive plan of salvation, as he chose Israel as his chosen race, it was by God's design that Israel would be his vessel for making his glory known in and throughout the earth. The vine is very good at doing one thing, and that's spreading all over the place. The nation of Israel was supposed to be just that for the glory of God. They were supposed to spread it all over the earth. But Israel messed that up miserably, horribly failed at it. So when Jesus comes, he makes the statement that I am the true vine. In other words, I came to make it right. In other words, I came to stand in the gap that you created. In other words, I came to set things right that you messed up. And this plan is not going to be stopped. It's not going to be thwarted. It's not that God's design failed. It's that he had a better way to put it into place. And that was through Christ. And so as he makes that statement, that's why he adds that in there. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so here we encounter Jesus' seventh and last I am statement where he says, I am the true vine. And keep in mind that as Jesus is talking with His disciples in these moments. He's making His way towards Jerusalem. He's making His way towards Calvary. So Jesus and His disciples, they're they're walking as Jesus is having this conversation with them. And as they're they're walking, they're getting closer and closer to Jesus' death. Each step that He takes is a step closer to His death. So is yours, by the way. That took a sharp turn in a hurry, didn't it? I'm not trying to be morbid, and I'm not trying to be discouraging. I'm just trying to paint the picture of reality. Every step that you take on this earth is a step closer to your last. And so if I were you, I would make sure that I had my eternity secured. I would make sure that I knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's vitally important. But as Jesus is walking with His disciples, these moments are precious to Him. And last moments are. Those of you that have spent time with someone that has been close to passing, you know how precious those last moments are with that person. And Jesus knows how close His time is to being up here on this earth. And so these moments with His disciples to Him, they're precious to Him. And so what He is sharing with them here are some of His most intimate teachings. And seven times in the eight verses that we just read, Jesus uses the word abide. Five out of those seven times, he follows that word with two more, in me. Why did he do that? Because he knew his disciples more than ever, at this point in time, it was going to be of paramount importance for them to abide in him. That word abide in the Greek, in and of itself, it literally means to make your home in. It means to dwell so Jesus, in the literal, was telling His disciples, make your home in Me. You are to dwell in Me. Make sure that you abide in Me. And I just wonder, what are you guys making your homes in? What are you dwelling in? Is it Christ? Or is it something completely different? What are you making your home in? Jesus was exhorting His disciples to make sure that they continued in a daily personal relationship with him and you may think well that's interesting that Jesus would encourage him to do such a thing because he's headed to the cross to die right three days we know he'll be resurrected but then he's going to ascend into heaven after a time of 40 days on this earth and he'll be gone so how can his disciples be encouraged to continue in a personal relationship with him Well, if you were to flip back into John chapter 14, you would see how Jesus had a preceding conversation with them explaining about how he was fixing to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. That's their avenue. That's our avenue. That's how we have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's how we continue in a dialogue. That's how we communicate with him. That's accomplished through the Holy Spirit of God. And so to give them a visual of how this is to work, this is what I love about our Savior, he, he understands for the most part that we're visual learners. And so he would always give his teachings some kind of illustration so they could better grasp the point that he was making. And so he gives them this comparison of a vine and its branches, portraying himself as the vine and the disciples as the branches. And there are some specific things I believe God wants us to see in this conversation that he's having with his disciples. And one of those things is the importance of the vine. The vine is the most important component of the relationship between itself and the branches. Why? Because first and foremost, it produces and sustains life for the branch. That's what the vine does. It produces and it sustains life for the branch. Without the vine, there is no branch. You do understand that, right? Without the vine, there is no branch. Like, it's called a branch for a reason because it has to branch off of something. So if there's nothing to branch off of, then there is essentially no branch. In the same sense, if the branch becomes severed from the vine, guess what happens to the branch? It dies. It loses its life support. So to speak. When you give your life to Jesus... There's a cool thing that Scripture portrays. It says that you're actually grafted into him. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. He says, but if some of the branches were broken off, talking about the nation of Israel, who didn't act like they should, they didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah, and you, although a wild olive shoot, talking about us as Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, which is Jesus, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Aren't you thankful that Jesus decided to come to this earth so that you might be grafted into him? It's literally the picture of of him picking you up as a broken branch, picking you up off the ground, attaching you to himself as the vine, and then producing and sustaining life in you. That's exactly what He does. In that way, Jesus produces life in you. John chapter 10, 10, we just walked through it a couple of weeks ago. Jesus says, I came that you may have what? Life. I produce life in you. Jesus produces life in you like nothing else can, like nobody else can. He's the only one that produces true life in us. But also in the same way, Jesus doesn't just produce life in us. He doesn't just stop there. He sustains life in us. you got to read the rest of the verse in John 10, 10. I came that you may have life. And what? Have it abundant. So I came not just to produce life in you. I came to continually sustain life in you. That's the glorious thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not, salvation is, is we get so caught up in thinking, well, when was your moment of salvation? Every day. Every single day. I'm being renewed in Him. Every single day I'm being restored in Him. Jesus produces life in me and then He sustains it. The vine produces for the branch everything that it needs to thrive and flourish. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Paul, funny in a time of great hardship and suffering and turmoil in his life, writes an epistle that we call the epistle of joy. And he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So the vine produces for the branch everything that you need to thrive and to flourish in this life. Jesus Jesus isn't satisfied with you just living a mediocre life. So can I encourage you a little bit? You don't have to be satisfied with a mediocre life either. Jesus is satisfied when you experience abundant life. And He's made it possible for you to have that. He's made it possible for you to thrive. He's made it possible for you to flourish in this life. And so the importance of the vine, one thing is that it produces and sustains life for the branch. There's another thing that leads itself to the importance of the vine, and that's that it gives fruit-bearing ability to the branch. Jesus spoke to His disciples, and He says, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. How many of you have seen an apple tree branch laying on the ground? by itself, producing apples. It ain't going to happen. The branch, by itself, cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. So obviously, the vine makes it possible for the branch to bear fruit. So take this in. Take this in. If, If Christ is in you, if Christ abides in you and you abide in him, he has placed your life in a position for you to be fruitful for him. He gives you the ability to bear fruit, regardless of your past, regardless of your present, regardless of your future. If you don't think that's true, then just ask Paul. God put him in a position to where his life could bear fruit for the glory of his name. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, he's talking to Timothy, and he gives testimony to this fact. He says, Timothy, my my little dude, my little protege, let me me give you a, a little word of testimony about what God has done in my life. And it was so powerful and so inspired by the Holy Spirit of God that we have it in Scripture. And Paul says this. Remember Paul's background. He was a persecutor of the church. He stood there giving approval as Stephen, one of the church's first deacons, was stoned to death. Paul standing off to the side, giving a hand clap. Jumps on his horse after that and is headed to find other people that are believers to bring them out to the streets, beat them, Throw them in prison. That's his background. Some of you guys think you have a background that is beyond repair, but I promise you, it's no worse than what Paul had. And in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12-16, through he says this, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly... He's going to give you a little background himself. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received a mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's life was put in position by Christ to bear fruit for the glory of his name. Did you see what he said was the display? The display wasn't the things that Paul did. It was what Christ did in and through Paul. I've been set free, said by the mercy of God. He has redeemed me from this past. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor, I was an opponent, I was ignorant, yet Christ set me free and he positioned my life in a way in which I could bear fruit for the glory of his name. When you give your life to Jesus, by the way, he repositions it. So those things that you once viewed as terrible, Jesus now repositions as testimony. So you may think, oh, I mean, you can't even imagine, trade, the things that I've done. You can't imagine how bad I have messed up sexually. Well, you can't imagine how many people that I have talked to that have given their life to Jesus that how have that mistake turned around as a testimony. Well, Trey, you just don't know how, how bad messed up, how bad addicted I am to certain things. Well, you don't know how many people that I have talked to who gave their life to Jesus who now use their addiction as not something that was terrible in their life, but as something that is a testimony to God's grace in their life. Through salvation in Christ, He repositions your life so those things that you think are the most terrible can now become a most powerful testimony of His grace and His mercy at work in you. So, we've seen the importance of the vine, but the vine is not the only character in this story. There are branches. And so, I think God desires for us to also see what's important for the branch. So even though the vine is obviously the most important part of the relationship, producing and sustaining life, giving fruit-bearing ability, the branch still carries some responsibility of its own. And one of those responsibilities is simply this, to abide in the vine. Jesus told them very plainly as he's talking to his disciples, he says, abide in me. In other words, make sure that you're always connected. Make sure that you're always connected to the vine. I think most of us a lot of times are More concerned about our Wi-Fi connection than our Christ connection. The branch needs things that it does not have the ability to produce. Let me say that again because I think it's important. The branch needs things that it does not have the ability to produce for itself. That's why it needs the vine. That's why the vine is necessary. Jesus provides what we are incapable of producing. Hello? Are we here tonight? Do we need to get up and do some jumping jacks? Jesus provides what you are incapable of producing. Case in point, salvation. You can't produce that for yourself. You need the vine. Peace. Peace. You can't produce that for yourself. You need the vine. You can try. You can try to shape your life in a way where you think you have found peace. But if you have truly found peace, then why do we struggle so heavily with stress and anxiety and worry and doubt? Even in Christ we struggle with these things, right? Y'all should come back in a couple of weeks. I think we might be talking about some of that stuff. You can't provide peace, on you need the vine. You can't provide comfort for yourself, you need the vine. You can't provide joy for yourself, you need the vine. You can't restore yourself. You can try, you can try to do all these things for yourself. Sooner or later you'll get burnt out, you'll get tired, and you quit. That's why you need the vine. Jesus can produce all those things within your life for you. He has the nutrients, so to speak, that the branch needs, whether it be salvation, whether it be hope, whether it be peace, whether it be restoration, whether it be freedom, whether it be joy, whether it be comfort, doesn't matter. The branch is is in itself most satisfied, most fulfilled, most nourished, most productive when it abides in the vine. But here's the deal. It's your choice. As a branch, you can choose whether or not you're going to abide or abandon. I kind of see it like this. God created us as branches, metaphorically speaking, not like literal branches, obviously. But God created us as branches. And so as Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, he's painting this picture for them. And I think it's a picture that obviously he wanted us to see as well. So as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, man, God, you you created us really as branches ourselves. And so within us, as a branch, there's this innate desire to be connected to something because the branch has to do just that, right? It has to be connected to something. And so we as branches have that innate desire to be connected to something. Don't tell me that you don't have this desire within you to be connected to something. And if you choose to connect to Jesus, then you're fulfilled, and then you're satisfied, and then you're nourished, and then you're productive, and you're effective, and you're efficient. But you can make the choice. You can make the choice not to connect to Jesus. But because we all have this innate desire to connect to something, if you don't choose to connect to Jesus, then guess what I figured out? You'll find another vine to connect to somewhere. You'll connect to the vine of relationship. You'll connect to the vine of popularity. You'll connect to the vine of performance. You'll connect to the vine of success. You'll connect to the vine of social media platforms. You'll find another vine to connect yourself to. You'll find the vine of sex to connect to. You'll find the vine of alcohol to connect to. It doesn't matter because there's that desire within each and every one of us to be connected to something. And if you don't choose Jesus, you'll find another vine. And then what happens is, as a branch... Once you connect to that thing, you form a dependence. So if I connect to the vine of relationships, then sooner or later I form a dependence upon that very thing to find fulfillment, to find satisfaction, to find nourishment, to be productive. If I connect to the vine of performance, then I'll develop a dependence upon that thing to become satisfied and to become fulfilled and to feel productive if I connect to the vine of sex I will become dependent upon that thing to make me feel nourished to make me feel productive to make me feel satisfied so my question is What are you abiding in? Who are you abiding in? Is it Christ? Are you dwelling in Him? Or is it something or somebody else? It's important for the branch to abide in the vine. But it's also important for the branch to bear fruit. For those who are in Christ, it's His desire that your life bears fruit for Him. Look at what Jesus said to His disciples in verse 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified. So he's about to to give us the key here to bringing God glory, to bringing Him glory. He's about to unlock Pandora's box of glorifying the Father. So I would lean in if I were you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the vine gives the branch the ability to bear fruit. But it's the branch's responsibility to actually bear that fruit. Christ can give you all the ability that you will ever need. He can form your life and He can position it in such a way where you can thrive and you can flourish. But it's your responsibility to step into that fruit bearing. Jesus expects your life, honestly, to produce fruit that glorifies Him. It's expected. In Mark chapter 11... Verses 12 through 14 is an interesting account of Jesus walking in between cities doing ministry, and his disciples are with him on this occasion as well. And in the distance, he sees a fig tree, and it's in full bloom, which meant that there should have been figs on the branches. So I would have to imagine that Jesus was probably a big Fig Newton fan. Any Fig Newton fans in here? I mean, just be honest, like, you don't have to be ashamed. It doesn't have to just be your grandmother's snack. You can actually enjoy it. I think Jesus probably would have loved fig, fig Newtons. But he sees this fig tree in the distance. And as he walks up to it, listen to what happens. It says, on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. So you know how it is, right? You get hungry, that stomach gets growling, and, and you get excited because you see, uh, I don't know, Panera Bread sign off in the distance. Or Chick-fil-A, something like that, you know, because we're all good Christians and that's what we eat. We eat Chick-fil-A and that's it. Like, give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. In other words, Chick-fil-A. And so Jesus is hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Jesus was angry. He walked up to the fig tree and there's supposed to be figs there. And it ain't got nothing but leaves. So Jesus gets upset at the tree for not doing its job and curses it. Jesus takes your fruit bearing pretty seriously. You know the dangerous thing about that fig tree? Is that it had the appearance of fruit bearing from a distance. Ooh. But when you got up close to it, when it got personal, when it became intimate, there was no fruit. It was barren. It scares me to death to think that there are a lot of people in the church today that give the appearance of bearing fruit. But when you get beneath the surface, when you get close, When it becomes personal, it's just barren limbs. Jesus takes your fruit bearing seriously. If you're abiding in him, here's the sweet part of the deal. If you're abiding in him, you can't help but bear fruit. You can't help it. It will naturally happen. And the beauty of it is those who bear fruit they're actually doing two things at once. And you got to go back to verse 8 to see this. When you're bearing fruit for Christ, you're actually doing two things at once. Number one, you're glorifying. But then there's a second thing that Jesus mentions. You're also proving. When you bear fruit, you're bringing glory to God. But you're also proving to be a legitimate disciple of Jesus. When, when fruit gets pulled off the branch, I love muscadines, oh, by the way, and they only come a certain time of year, which has already come and gone, but I, I love muscadines, but they, they're, like, they're like grapes, and this is the comparison that Jesus made. Think of like a vineyard, think of like a grapevine, and I, I've got a, a good close buddy from high school. They have muscadine vines in their yard, and every year in the fall, he'll call me and he'll say, hey, man, the vine is ripe for the picking, and I'm like, hey. I'll be over there. So I will literally grab, like, a five-gallon bucket and take it over to his house, and he'll just let me have my share of it. When I get over there, there's, just, there's vines everywhere, and these muscadines, they have the branches that come off, and they're hanging down, so you can pick them. But one thing about that is, is when you walk up to one of those big, plump muscadines, and you pull it off that branch, as you pull and tug on that fruit, the branch gives a tug, And guess what it does? It exposes the vine. It's kind of like the sense when you might be doing some yard work and you get to pull on that one limb, but that limb was actually attached to a vine. And the more you pull, the more that vine begins to be exposed. and And you pull and you pull and you pull and you're like, good grief, how hot does this thing go? As you pull on that branch, it begins to expose the vine. And the more you pull, the more the vine becomes exposed. As people pull on the fruit that we bear, they should be exposed to the vine that we're attached to. And the more they pull, and the more they pull, and the more they pull, the more Jesus becomes exposed in and through our lives. It's funny because in the Old Testament, God made this statement through one of his prophets. He said this, that the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. I told you there's one thing about vines. They go everywhere. Just like God's glory all over the earth. And as we bear fruit for his glory and people pull that fruit from our lives, It exposes that vine in an even greater way. So let me ask you something. How does your fruit production look? Could somebody right now take fruit from your life? Could somebody right now look at your life and see one that glorifies God but also solidifies you as a disciple? Are you abiding in Him as the true vine. Thanks for listening to the message. We hope that you will continue to join us each week as we journey through Jesus' I Am statements. We're trusting that God is going to show us some mighty things about who He is through those two words. So be sure to meet us here again next week.